We're going to continue in our sermon series entitled Chosen. And this is the second time that I'm going to be preaching on prayer. This is just absolutely vital. This is one of the most important messages that I'll preach this year. We need to get prayer in our veins, prayer in our mind, prayer in our hearts. I want to keep preaching that to you guys and preaching it to myself. One way we need to grow tremendously individually and corporately is in prayer at Restoration Road. Um, so I'm the worst fisherman on the planet. I've decided that I'm that bad. I tell people I fish. People ask, Joe, you fish? Yeah, I went out fishing, but I never catch anything. I'm not an effective fisher. I can throw the rod in, but I've never taken the time to get the right bait, to get the right rod. I never go at the right time. It's always like 11 or 12 o'clock. I'm like, you want to fish? Let's fish. No one's biting at that time. And I only catch fish when I'm with effective fishermen. And most of the time I don't catch fish even with effective fishermen. So during lunch on Friday, I prepared my messages on Friday. And and during lunch, I was having lunch and I put on the TV and there was this dude. His name was like Jimmy Outdoors. You know what I mean? He was like just Jimmy Outdoors. Didn't even need a last name. And this dude just had all this right equipment. He had the right fishing rod. He was going at the right times. He was insulting me because he brought his wife, who never fished before, and she was saying that. I don't fish. She was just sitting there, looking pretty, and just casting it and pulling out these bass like this big. Just like, Jimmy, that's my biggest fish yet. And I was like, wow, this is so insulting. She's never even been fishing before. I can't catch fish. But because she's with an effective fisherman, they're using the right bed bait, the right rod, they're going at the right time, and they're catching fish. How many of us feel like we pray all the time, but God does not answer our prayers? Does anyone feel like that? I don't want to get everyone raising. You could raise a hand in your heart if you want. How many feel like, man, I'm a prayer? People would ask you, yeah, I pray, but you never see your prayers answered. Like you feel like it's a one-way relationship. Like, man, I'm praying, I'm asking for things, and I never see them come to pass. What I want you to see today is I want us to grow as a church body and become effective prayers. Not just like me goes fishing and never catches anything. Not just like praying and never seeing them answered. I want us to be effective prayers who see our prayers answered and see the gospel advance and see the people who are praying for come to Jesus. So I want to talk about that today because we've been chosen for effective prayer. If you would just read with me, it's in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work in us, within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And would you just pray me one more time before I begin? I'll keep going. Father, I pray that you bless each word I preach. 
I pray that you open the ears of our heart and the eyes of our heart to hear your words through the scriptures. That we might be changed and more like your son and find joy in effective prayer and find joy in knowing you. Amen. <coughs> How many of you look at prayer as a duty? How many of, you, many of you say prayer is a duty that I am commanded to do? Or do we look at it as an option to make our life better? What do you look at prayer as? Is it a duty to advance the kingdom of God? Or it is an option to make my life better? I want to ask you that question first. Prayer, through the scriptures, is a tool and a weapon to advance the gospel. And of course, when we're advancing the gospel, you will never be more satisfied in your life because that's what you were made to do. I was just kind of struck because many people would say, and I, I don't want to make that statement yet, but I want us to think about it, that if you have a prayerless life, if prayer is a second thought to you, or prayer really isn't a part, or just when you're in trouble, right? We all pray when we're in trouble, right? If prayer is not regularly part of your life, are you being sinful? Let's just throw that question out there. Because if you look at Scripture... It's a command, not an option. Watch and pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray always with everything, your prayer and supplication to God. Non-stop. It's a command. What did Jesus say in Matthew 26? He was telling his um, disciples, he said, watch and pray with me. And I want to ask you, so that God can sanctify areas and make them holy in our lives, <clears throat> if this defines your prayer life. Jesus is about to be crucified. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane because he's under so much agony and goes to a secret place to pray. He tells his disciples, <clears throat> I need you to stay here and watch and pray. I need you to watch and pray. He's going through so much agony that it is medically possible, but it's very rare. You have to be going through so much anxiety to sweat blood. We've heard this many times, right? Jesus is going through so much anxiety, so much anguish, so much sorrow, so much pain that he sweated blood. What he says to his friends, to his disciples, to the one who are working with him to advance the kingdom, he says, watch and pray. And he leaves and goes to sweat blood. And he said, sweat blood. He goes and he says, Father, not my will, but thine be done. That's what he finally gets to, right? He comes back. What are the disciples doing? Does anyone remember? They're sleeping. Okay, our Savior, the Son of God, who declares, about to go to the cross to save the world. This is a good time for a nap. Let me take a snooze. Jesus comes back. He reprimands them. He says, listen, what are you guys doing? You're going to fall in temptation. Now's the time to pray. He goes again to pray. Not my will, but thine be done. He comes back. What are the disciples doing? They're sleeping again. Man, those are the brothers you want by your side, right? He says, what are you guys doing? I told you to watch and pray. He goes back a third time. He comes back. We don't know exactly what happened. He just repeats himself. But we don't know if they were sleeping and actually woke up a little bit. We're half sleeping, half praying. Who knows? Are many of our prayer lives asleep? Has God said to us, pray, watch and pray. Behold, I come quickly. Be vigilant. Watch and pray for the kingdom to advance. And are we falling asleep? Or do we only pray when we want something for ourselves? Because it's our duty. Martin Luther says, there's no harder work than praying. 
Do you know that's why we don't do it? That's why we don't do it, because the hardest work of a spiritual life is to pray. What happens when you open your Bible and want to pray a lot of the time? I don't know what I'm doing. What happened? Why am I so tired? Because it's hard work. It is the hardest work to take time out of your life to intercede for your brothers and sisters. I mean, if I'm in trouble, if I want something, you know, if I want, I'll be careful. We pray for ourselves when we need it. But to put in the time, the hard work, the labor that it takes to advance the kingdom, we say, no, that hard, that's the hard work. I want to do it. I encourage you, Restoration Road, do the hard work. Let's do the hard work of praying for one another, praying that was strengthened inwardly. What should the disciples have been praying for Jesus during that time? It says it in this text. They should have been praying that his inner being was strengthened. Do you know that Jesus was fully God and fully man? Do you know that the soul struggles sometimes? I played volleyball for three hours on Sunday. You know it took a few days for my body to recover, all 37 years of my body. It took three days to recover. I wanted to lie to myself and say maybe it was allergies, but man, getting old. You know the soul gets tired? You know the soul gets weak? The center of your intellect and your emotion and, and all that kind of stuff, your spiritual life. Do you know that gets drained sometimes? Do you know that that gets beat down? And you know the only way it's re-strengthened is through the Holy Spirit empowering you. And what did it teach when we talked about prayer the first time? It says, pray that God the Father would impart wisdom, that he would impart strength, that he would impart hope. We need to be praying for one another, doing the hard work that we would be strengthened. Do you know how many people fall away from the faith? Man, in the past two months, I've seen so many people fall away from the faith. The world gets so tempting. The trials get so hard. We are so selfish. And all of a sudden, the things of the world, the love of the world, the pride of life, the pride of the eyes, lust of the flesh, all those things are so attractive that I don't want to follow Jesus anymore. What if we were all on our knees daily praying for one another that we would keep the faith, that we would endure, that we would be strengthened? Oh, how powerful that is. There's another parable that Jesus teaches about the hard work of prayer. And he says it in Luke 18. He talks about the persistent widow. And this persistent widow went to an unrighteous judge. It said this judge, he didn't even fear God and he didn't love people. And so she was looking for justice against her adversary. So she kept bothering this judge. And the judge said, no, 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 no. Day and night she would bother this judge. Finally, she bothered this judge so much that he said, just because you're bothering so much, you're going to get justice. And Jesus says, how much more those elect, those chosen by my name, if they seek me night and day, how much more will I answer their prayer? How much more? The word he uses is speedily. I love that word to be used in my prayer life, wouldn't you? Well, I've been waiting for 18 years. I want to hear like speedily stuff. I'm not saying it always happens like that. But Jesus said he will answer speedily those who persist, those who pray to me day and night. The second thing, so I want you to hear that. Effective prayer, first thing, it's seen as a duty. And it's hard work. Can we hear that? If I want to be an effective prayer, i got to put in some work by God's grace. Like it takes time. The second thing, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to pray to God. One of the worst misconceptions in our culture is that God has to hear our prayers. Do you know that peppered throughout the scriptures, God does not hear everyone's prayers. 
Now, now let me talk some stuff sound theologically. God hears everything because he's omnipotent and he's omniscient. So, of course, he hears everything. But he doesn't listen and answer every prayer. Do you know he doesn't answer the prayers of people who pray to multiple gods? Do you know that he doesn't answer the prayers of people who pray to the universe? Do you know he doesn't answer the prayers of people who pray to false gods? You know he doesn't answer the prayer of people who pray to themselves? Do you guys understand that? Only those who come through the power of the gospel to God the Father, through the power of God the Holy Spirit, even have their prayers listened to and answered. What a privilege to go before God. It's only through the blood of the Lamb that we can even enter in the place of prayer. It's a privilege for all those who have put their faith in Jesus. I have this buddy. All he does is network. His whole life is networking and getting higher in his business. Like, he's made it a lifestyle. Like, if we invite him to something outside that's not networking, he's like, I can't do it today. i got to get him some rest tomorrow for networking. So everything's network. He kind of has this walk, just pointing at people. Everything he does, he's slipping on a car. What you got? Oh. Like, he never stops. So anytime I go anywhere with him, I know it's going to be a networking trip. I know it's going to be VIP. So if we go to Celtics game, we're shaking Paul Pierce's hand, we'll sign someone going in the best booth in the place. Everywhere. So I went to my first Patriots game. We stayed at Patriots' place. It was a good time. He was about to get married. And we couldn't just go to the game. With him, there's no just going to the game. There has to be all these adventures before and all these VIP things. So he brings us to this big, huge place that I've never seen. It's just big, big white building. And we got all these VIP tickets. I'm like, what is this? He said, you'll see. He brings me in this place. I've never seen such a place of splendor. There was more food than your mind could ever imagine, and it all was free. There was more drinks than you could ever imagine. There was more desserts. I got sick when I looked at everything because I realized I had to make some decisions. There were patriots coming in. There were people talking. You were getting free stuff. We had the VIP, and he just kept pointing at it like, you know me. You know how I do. It was a privilege to go in there. But while we waited in that line, there were just people all sad looking at us like, they get to go in there. They were just walking the game like, you got the ticket. The privilege. Do you know that we have a privilege in a very special way because of the work of Jesus that we go into the place where we can delight in God in prayer? One of the most important things we have to learn in effective prayer is a privilege, and you've got to learn to delight in it. If you hate it, you're going to be like, I can't do this. You've got to learn to delight in God. And to know that the God of all creation, the God and creator of their soul, the God and creator of your family, delights in you and allows you to speak to him. He's so holy and lets you come into that holy place and speak to him. Is that unbelievable? There's so much delight there. There's so much joy there. There's so much peace there. Have you ever noticed when you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, praying to yourself in worry? Like, let me think about this 15 more times make it better. You ever notice when you settle down to pray, something happens? Something lifts. You feel the presence of God. You realize that God's in control, and it's so powerful, and it's a privilege. We get to call God Father. How awesome is that? Now, think if it was another name. Think if, he's, think if the Our Father was our judge. Our judge who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'd be a little more nervous going in there. I'd be a little more nervous if it was a different name he wanted us to talk to him by. If it was a different title. Our judge, I'd be afraid to make a mistake. Our judge, I'd just be scared. I'd have to wear certain things. But if it's our father, that invokes warmth. 
and intimacy. And right away it tells me, I'm his child. Every child that has a good loving father wants to come into their presence and ask him for things because they know that they'll give it to him. Isn't that beautiful? Our father. Now, I just want to answer a simple question for you guys. Is it okay to pray to Jesus? Is it okay to pray to the Holy Spirit? Yes. Because understanding the Trinity and the Trinitarian nature of God, it's three but one. Three and one. So we're, we're called to go to the Father, but we can also pray to Jesus. Because in praying to Jesus, we're praying to God. We're praying to God and praying to the Holy Spirit. Because people get scared of that sometimes, I think. Well, we're told our Father. You can pray to Jesus. He loves you. You can pray to the Holy Spirit. But the majority of the time, what I do in my practice is pray to God the Father. And I see instances. When, so when I'm thankful, I'm thanking God the Father for the work of the Son. Sometimes my heart, my affections go, Jesus, thank you for the work you did for me. When I'm struggling and I feel the Holy Spirit functioning to strengthen me, I said, thank you, Holy Spirit, for being there. I can feel your strength. Do you guys hear me? Understanding the functionality of the Trinity helps your prayer life. It helps your prayer life. So those are important things to know. The third thing, anytime, if we want to have an effective prayer life, there has to be a system. Anything that you're going to do effective in your life has to have a system. So I played street ball growing up. I never really played organized basketball until I got older. Street ball gives you bad tendencies in organized basketball. Right? It's just not the real world in basketball. People think it. You know, they get like five headbands on, earpiece hanging out. Like, they think they're in the pros, but nothing good is going on when you're developing habits in basketball and street ball. No one plays defense hardly unless it's a real serious game. About 90% of the time, no one's going to play defense. There's just a lot. There's no plays called. There's no system. So you, you learn a lot of bad things. You make a lot of bad moves. There's no time clock. You're on no time clock, so you sit out there all day just like, <laughs> You know what happened to me when I went into organized ball in high school? I ran the wrong way twice. Don't you dare tell us all. Dave, edit that out. I was a freshman in high school, and I was just so stressed out. Like, they put me in a game, and I've never been in an organized game. And, Joe, you're in. I jumped in. They passed me the ball, and I was just like, wrong way, though. Do you know what I did a second time? Please forgive me and love me as your pastor. I got stressed out again and ran the wrong way twice. I didn't score. I did not score. But I wasn't used to a system. I wasn't used to time clocks. I wasn't used to all those things. And even when I played high school ball in Lynn, it just seemed like there was, I thought there was 84 people on the court. When I got the court, I was just like, everyone's on the court. The fans are on the court. Because there was, I had never played in a system. If we don't develop a system, we will never have an effective prayer life. If we just pray when we feel like it or when we're going through a hard time, you will never have an effective prayer life. So I want to talk to you about a few practical ways. The first thing I want to ask you is where do you pray? Where do you pray? That ain't a good sign. If you just pray on the run all the time and don't have a holy, do you guys know what holy means? Set apart place? It's a set apart place. That's all. If you can understand holy in a very simple way, it's set apart. Do you have a prayer closet, a place that is set apart where you go to pray? 
Like Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door. So the one major thing I want you to hear about, I want you to find a prayer closet. Not saying you can't pray anywhere. You can pray anywhere. God's everywhere. But if you want effective prayer life, a majority of time is going to be spent in this place praying. Now, some recommendations. Jesus recommends your bedroom because you can shut the door. For some of you, you might shut the door and there's 15 kids banging on the door, so that's not a good option for you. Maybe it's outside. We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes outside away from everyone. But the major crucial thing I want you to hear is it needs to be private. It needs to be set apart. It needs to be quiet. It needs to be a place where you can be with God, where you can pray to God, where you're not distracted, where it can be a holy and set apart place. What is that place for you? Where do you go to pray? Please today, Establish the place that you will pray daily. And we'll get in the second place. Do you realize that the Our Father is the daily prayer? Daily prayer. It's not okay to pray two times a week. Do you guys realize that? When you're mad at traffic and when you got something going on, those when I pray, that I won't kill that guy next to me. It's not okay to pray two times a week. We should be praying daily to God our Father. Pick a time during the day that's set apart in prayer. On my Mac, you can do all your times. I do times that are set apart from prayer. That's not just for the pastor. That's for every one of us. I would ask you, I would encourage you, would you pray 15 minutes to an hour a day? Daily prayer. And on top of that, pray spontaneously. Pray as the Holy Spirit leads you. There was a woman... This is why you need a private place. She lived in Lynn, and she used to pray in public, but didn't tell nobody. So she'd be talking, praying, and everyone thinks she was talking to herself. Only reason I'm making that point is it's not a good point. I'm moving on. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have went there. Second thing, pray daily. Pray, are you a morning person? Pray in the morning. Are you a night person? Pray in the night. Are you really heavy hitter? Pray in the morning and the night. Pray daily. If someone can ask you, when do you pray? If someone's come to you as a mature Christian saying, teach me how to pray, how do I pray? Could you give them a system? Or just this is how I do it. It happens. It happens. Or you can say, listen, this is where I pray. Don't tell nobody. And this is when I pray because it helps me and my personality. I'm kind of a night person. I'm a night owl. So I got to pray between 9 and 10. I'm a morning person. If I don't pray between 5 or 6, it's not happening. We need to be able to give account so we can disciple people. You can't disciple people if you don't have a system. So the first thing, what? Find a place. The second thing is to make sure you pray daily. The third thing is realize what hinders prayer. Imagine there was no defense on the basketball court. Everyone would score, Right? Or most people. Some of us can't hit a hoop if we left us open all day. Everyone would score if there was no defense. If there was no hindrance, everyone would do it. I'm going to give you some. These are some of those. You don't hear these every day, and I need you to hear these, because a lot of people don't hear these. These are hindrances in Scripture to prayer. When we do not repent of habitual sin, God does not hear and answer our prayers. Is that heavy? Is that heavy? Let me read a scripture to you. 
If I, David says in the Psalms, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, if I had cherished sin, the Lord would not have listened. If we think somehow that we can, now let me define this for everyone. If there's a difference between falling into sin, as we all do, right? And to say, you know what? I know God says to behave this way and act this way. It's holy before him, but I'm going to practice this. I'm going to practice habitual sin. I don't care. We all fall, right? There's no sinless person going to pray. When you practice habitual sin and you cherish iniquity in your heart, scriptures tell us that's a hindrance to your prayer life. A hindrance to your prayer life. How dare we think that we can act the way we want to act and come before God and act like nothing even happened? Is that heavy, guys? I want you to get by the defense, though. I want you to get by the defense. So first thing, don't cherish iniquity in your heart. We can cherish sin. I love this sin. It brings me so much joy. It's so awesome. I love this. No one knows about it. It's hidden. It feels forbidden. Yes. Don't you dare cherish that. Get rid of that. Cast that down. Receive the grace of God so your prayers won't be hindered. That's a gem I just gave you. That's a gem. You know it is. The second thing. When we pray out of the raw motives of self-indulgence and not according to God's will, our prayers are not heard and not answered. Stop praying for a Lamborghini. Stop praying for 8,000 more square feet on your house. Stop just praying for yourself. I'm preaching to myself. Let's stop praying to have more self-indulgence, please. Please. I want to read the scripture that backs this up. You ask and you do not receive in your prayer life because you ask wrongly. You spend it on your own passions. When we pray to spend it on our own passions, God's not even going to listen and answer your prayer. Because we're called to pray for the advancement of the kingdom of God. What does it say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and God will add everything onto you. I'm telling you guys, this is truth. This is treasure. Seek God and he will provide shelter for you. Seek God, and he will provide food for you. Seek God, and he will provide money for you. Seek God, and he will provide joy. Not the other way around. Not seek money, and I'll fit God in. I'll seek a house, and I'll fit God in. That's not how we pray. You will never be an effective prayer, and never get your prayers answered. Please hear me. I want you to get by the defense, because that hinders our prayer life. When our whole list is, I need this. Why didn't I get this yet? What about this? Just saw that in the magazine. Second hindrance. The third thing, if we're going to pray, we've got to believe we have a good father that's going to answer our prayer. Effective prayers believe it's going to happen. They don't say, man, I hope this happens. They pray because they know their father and they know his character and say, God is going to do this. And when you're praying according to the will of God, you know he's going to work on your behalf. So when I pray, God, save souls. I know he's going to save souls. I don't have to question if it's God's will for him to save souls. When I say, God, grow Restoration Road, I know he's going to do that because that's his will to make more and more disciples and plant more and more churches. So we're praying according to his will. Believe, and I'll read this, Hebrews eleven six, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You have to have faith when you pray to be an effective prayer. You don't go negative into your prayer closet. Like, this doesn't work. I hope he answers it. 
Go in there and say, God's going to answer my prayer. He's changing me. He's showing me. I'm not perfect. It's all by his grace. But God's going to do good things. That is so important. Don't be fearful in your prayer life. Be filled with faith that God has good things in store for you. The final piece to being an effective prayer is to know what you're praying for. Do you guys, do you think about what should I be praying this week? And I'm going to use the text to say this. The most important thing, one of the top things we should be praying is for each other. And we said this the first week, but I want to say this again. What is Paul praying for his people? He's praying that to be strengthened in their inward being. And what do we hear again? That they know the depth and the height and the width of Jesus' love for them. We need to be praying for each other. So I don't want to lead you without any practical stuff here. The first thing I want everyone to do, I want you to spend some money. I want you to purchase a journal. I just asked you to spend $9. Please don't rebuke me. It ain't that bad. I want you to purchase a journal. I don't care what it looks like, but I want it to be like your personality. See what my sister got me? It's a cross. It's Celtic. You didn't know I'm half Irish. My birth name was McQuiggan. Everyone says you look Italian. I am half Italian too. That overtook everything. I want you to purchase a journal that fits your personality. I'm talking one you like to pick up. Don't get the cheap one that you don't want to look at because you didn't spend enough money on it. Because you won't, it won't be set apart. You'll feel like it wasn't holy. You know what I mean? If you're a person that doesn't mind the cheapness, get one. But get one that it's going to stand out. This is my prayer journal. This is my prayer journal. I, I look at this thing. I don't even want to write in it. It's so nice. I'm serious. I'm like, man, I, I know it's serious when I write down something in this. Make it holy and set apart. Would you purchase a prayer journal this week, Restoration Road? Uh, if you have one laying around, use that one. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to write down everyone's name from Restoration Road in there. You might see your name in there. Because you have to have a system. You will not pray if you don't have a system. Get this prayer journal. And if you need a person list, I'll put it up. You can know every single person. Write the name of their families. See, Paul and Amber made it. Dave Sadoway and Vaughn made it. John Copland made it. He'll probably come in at 12.03. But he'll made it. I'm praying that he comes earlier. He loves me. He doesn't mind. He'll laugh at that. What I'm saying is everyone is in this book. I pray for you guys every week. Every week I pray for you guys. Would you do this, Restoration Road? Would you get a journal, write down every name, and pray once a week for everyone in Restoration Road? You imagine how powerful, how strong that is if we grow as a church who is praying for each other every week and has a system for that? How strong, does, how encouraging is that you know that there's 50 other people praying for you this week? That's powerful. That's effective. God the Father will use that in glorious ways. Then I want you to get a page, and I want you to vote that page. That page is for your friends who don't have not come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and you want them to come to the knowledge of Jesus and the truth of the gospel. And write those names on a page. I call that the hit list. Get a hit list. I'm telling you, I'll share you a great story this week. I went through my hit list, no, two weeks ago. So once a week, I want you to write down on that page and have a hit list and see God work. God's going to blow your mind. I'm telling you, it's effective. I got a hit list of about six people because I didn't want to overdo it right now, but I'm coming. Monday morning, two weeks ago, I was praying, and I was praying for six people, six people. So I said, I hadn't worked out like three or four weeks at the gym, so I said, I'm going to go to the gym after I prayed. 
Do you know that I walked into the gym and one of the guys who I was praying for was standing there? Do you know I was so jacked up from praying that I walked over and said, I was just praying for you. I didn't even have time to think. I was like, you, you're on the hit list. And he said, you were, man, I need it. <laughs> He's like, I need it, man. I'm going through some stuff. I just had to spend $1,100 on my vehicle. And I didn't know. Then we started talking. He said, can I work out with you? I said, yeah, if you want to drop the weight, you can, because this brother was hefty. I said, if we dropped like 50 pounds on this, we can, you can work out with me, man. So then we worked out together, and we're talking the whole time. Then you know what happened? He said, man, this is going so well. He said, he said, my car's broken down. Can you drive me home? I was going to have my grandmother pick me up to bring me to the shop, but he said, we're vibing so well. Why don't you drive me home? I said, absolutely. Let's add on to that. Why don't I take you out for lunch? He said, okay, i got to change my shirt because I'm sweaty. I got to see his whole house, meet his daughter. Then I took him out for lunch. You know what we talk about lunch? The gospel. Because I ain't meeting with you and we ain't talking about the gospel. He gave his views on God. I gave my views on God. It's spectacular. There was two men just debating, loving each other. I don't agree with you, but I love you. Let's move on. You know what happened the next week? Joe, you want to go out to lunch? It's on me. We went out. You know what we talked about? The gospel. And we debated again in love. He texted me the next day after the first time and said, God be with you, man. He said, the stuff you said about Jesus, I never thought about that before. Effective prayer. You should be seeing God answering your prayers. You should be seeing magnificent. Because God's a God who answers the prayers of his children. I want you guys to hear that. And finally... I want to give you last thing to put in this journal because I want to be very practical so we become effective. A lot of times, practical is very spiritual and very effective. There's three things I want you to pray for Restoration Road. The first thing, it might seem like a funny one. Would you pray that we pray more? Would you pray that we stop depending on ourselves and start depending on God? Would you pray that one of the things that's said of us is we are people who seek God together and individually? Could that be the first prayer? I'm going to post this on the city if you don't remember every single thing. The second thing, would you pray that we grow through invitation? Meaning, more people, when we invite them to church, say, yes, I want to check that out. Would you pray that Restoration Road Church grows? Would that be the second thing you put in your prayer journal on that page? This is what I'm praying for, Restoration Road, during the season. We'll have different times. I would probably ask you to pray for different things. Pray for whatever you want, but intentionally pray for these things. And finally, we've got to grow in our understanding of tithes and offerings. We've got to grow in generosity. Would you pray that God starts getting a hold of our hearts and we take seriously the act of worship and giving so we might expand the kingdom more through Restoration Road? You know, and next week I'm going to give a vision message. So I encourage you to be here on RibFest. We're going to really talk about our goal. I'm crazy over the next 35 years at Restoration Road. And guess what it involves? Advancing the gospel and planting churches. So would you please be here to hear that vision? So pray for those three things because we need to grow and mature in those areas. And finally, if you all would just... You all, what happened again, Southern? Um, would you please repeat after me? Can we pray together? And would you repeat after me? If you're not comfortable with it, no one has to pray that doesn't feel comfortable praying. But just repeat after me as I go. I want us to pray together and we'll close the message. Our Father, cause us through the power of the Holy Spirit to seek you in prayer. Make us fully dependent on you Help our praying to never cease. 
Make us courageous to share the gospel and invite people to church. Grow us in generosity. Mature us in faithful giving to your church. Let everything we do be for the advancement of your kingdom and the glory of your name. Amen. Thank you for praying with me.